Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Books and Booze, not Milk and Cookies Edition. <laughs> Did you almost say Milk and Cookies Edition? I thought about it for half a second. I was like, no, that's not right. What gave it away? The wine bottle in the middle of the table. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to waste a glass. It's We're filled good. with milk, guys. It's okay. <laughs> wine, wine bottle full of milk. That does not sound appetizing. Wash it first. <laughs> I would have just got a cup. Let me make some wine cookies. Mm. That does not sound Jess, good. you're the chef. <laughs> wine cookies. What are we doing here? Not having wine cookies. <laughs> you got like two sentences in your intro and I just cut you off. Sorry. We keep it fresh. Loosey goosey. <laughs> silly. Silly ew, goosey ew, juicy. Ew, ew. No. <laughs> Who are you? I am Skylar, also known as the Skywalker. And today I am joined by Jessica and Amanda. Jessica and Amanda. Love it. Amanda. Love it. Okay, whatever. Hi. My two awesome co-hosts. How's it going, guys? I got a headache. And you just screamed in the microphone. I did. That was really loud. I apologize. It's okay. That's okay. We're doing good. We're doing good. Mm-hmm. Doing good. Doing yep. good. We just did an episode of milk and cookies before this, so that was fun. So the milk was in ready. a cup, not a wine bottle. It was. There was, it was no wine bottle present. All over my dining room table. And then it <laughs> spilled, but that's okay. At least it didn't spill out here. No, no one's crying over spilled milk, huh? That'll be the next book we read. Milk and Cookies edition. The moral of the story is don't cry over spilled milk. Isn't that like when you when you give a mouse a cookie or something like that? Something like that. Shouldn't. Anyway. But yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that. So uh, what you drinking over there, Sky? <laughs> I am actually drinking some Red Zeppelin. Um, it's what I was supposed to be drinking last episode, but I never drank any because... I didn't feel like drinking while we were talking about Mockingjay. All right. That's fair. Um, I have a cute cup. Twisted tea in my little mug that says, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> and I have two inches left in an entire bottle of Oliver Cherry Moscato. That's some good stuff. I, I didn't drink that all today. It, there was two inches when I pulled it out of the fridge. So Milk and cookies is very stressful. <laughs> It was high stakes. <laughs> All right. Well, this week, guys, we are talking about the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Book four. When did this book come out? 2019? 2020. 2020. Okay. I'm sorry. Did you have something to say before I... No, you just didn't even do the rest of your intro I was waiting for. You didn't even say, welcome to a court in books and booze. Who are we? You don't Our even basement know. book club. Grab a beer, grab a book, and be in the basement. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but not in a weird way. <laughs> in the weirdest of ways. All the weird ways you can think of. You should patent that, because that was all you... Was it? Was it you? It was me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you repeated it. Oh, my gosh. So funny. 
Because she did her normal sign-off, and then I was like... Yeah. Grab a book. Grab a beer. <laughs> Meet me in the basement. <laughs> you got very, very Southern. <laughs> I loved it. He does that when he is just feeling funny. Yeah. Random. Someone told me at work the other day that I have a Canadian accent. Okay. No, you don't. It was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> totally random, but speaking of accents... But yes, so now I'm very conscious about what I say and how I say things. All right. But, oh, maybe I'm, I'm not from Canada. I've never been to Canada. I know. We talked We're going to go to Canada yeah. this year. Okay. I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. I know. But yeah, that was really funny. It's been fun re-listening to, to episodes that are coming out because they're little bits that we say. Like, I forgot that you said that. That was so funny. That is one of those things. By this time, you'll probably have gone canada i really hope so yeah i really hope so we're gonna go to canada before august dude there we go last last episode was my birthday episode so just took me on a surprise trip to canada <laughs> birthday road trip <laughs> Guess that's it the was plan so for that fun weekend. <laughs> that's why you have a canadian accent <laughs> yeah that's why <laughs> But yeah, we're into the last, the last book. It's actually a prequel. Yeah. So by Suzanne Collins. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yep, it was published in 2020. We needed something in 2020. That was a, that was a good thing. Does it, does it say the month? Do you have the month that it released? I mean, I can find out the exact time that it was, or the exact date that it was released. May 19th, 2020. So right when everything was going to hell? Yeah. yeah. Well, what? The world shut down in March? March. Yeah. The world shut down like March 13th, I think. So. Mm. Interesting. What a good time to release a book when everyone's sitting at home. Yeah. That was uh, really picking up on some new hobbies, things like that. Baking bread. Reading books <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> I, I, what? I, I know what you said, but at first all I heard was bacon bread. Bacon bread. Ooh. Is that what you said? He said baking. Baking bread. Baking bread. Like a new hobby to do. Oh. That's you, what everybody was doing A bunch of people were baking bread. Quarantine. You couldn't buy Were yeast. you doing that? No. Don't you know Hannah Bread Talk? No. <laughs> Who's Hannah Bread Talk? It's, she's. She bakes bread on I didn't TikTok. Know, I knew people were getting into plants. I didn't know people were baking bread, too. Yep. People were doing everything. We were doing all sorts of things. People started quilting. That's cool. <laughs> all the other ways to make blankets. Man, that's something I really want to, like, pick up and do. Because I would love Is to quilting? make... quilting? I would love to make... No, not necessarily quilting, but I'd love to make my own t-shirt bread. blanket someday. No, t-shirt blanket. Oh, yeah. You should do that. Yeah. It's fun. You've done it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. When we're done recording, I'll show you mine. Okay. I made one for Skylar for Christmas. It just seems so cool. A few years back. Yeah. It just seems awesome. And so I'd love to learn how to do that. But no, I did not know that people were <coughs> baking a bunch of bread. Yeah. I'd love to learn how to do that. Back on, back on the t-shirt blanket, though. The nice thing about that is if you keep, like, if you keep, like, your square pattern, just the, the piece that you need, 
you can keep adding on to your blanket like mm. indefinitely it could be the biggest blanket in the world if you keep adding on t-shirts i have a whole tote of t-shirts i still need to add on to his blanket to make it even bigger i just haven't had time i should have done it during covid what do you think the biggest t-shirt blanket is like, <clears throat> world record world record t-shirt blanket how many t-shirts it take mm, i don't know what is the count mm. i think i've got 65 t-shirts in that blanket and it's only a what a twin size queen si- oh, full wow. size full i think it's full size full size mm. <coughs> fun times interesting we can have a podcast where we just talk about a bunch of bullshit diy diy podcast do it yourself because <laughs> nobody's gonna do it for you <laughs> there's, there's a slogan. slogan it's great we got it man you guys are killing it <laughs> anyway people were also reading yeah, in 2020 they were like reading this, this book, book. <laughs> what is it about take a sip jessica and tell us because I needed some of this, too, while I was reading it, honestly. Oh, well, okay. So that page count is 517. The trigger warnings include sexual assault, implied, child abuse and neglect, emotional abuse, drug use, beheading, cannibalism is mentioned, starvation, death of a parent, murder, physical and psychological torture, hanging, and poverty themes. All right. So it is the morning of the reaping that will kick off the 10th annual Hunger Games. In the capital, 18-year-old Coriolanus Snow is preparing for his one shot at glory as a mentor in the games. The once mighty House of Snow has fallen on hard times, and its fate is hanging on the slender chance that Coriolanus will be able to outcharm, outwit, and outmaneuver his fellow students to mentor the winning tribute. The odds are against him. He's been given the humiliating assignment of mentoring the female tribute from District 12, the lowest of the low. Their fates are now completely intertwined. Every choice Coriolanus makes could lead to favor or failure, triumph or ruin. Um, inside the arena, it will be a fight to the death. And outside the arena, Coriolanus starts to feel for his doomed tribute and must weigh his need to follow the rules against his desire to survive no matter what it takes. Heck yeah. Okay, where do we want to start? The beginning. Great place. It's a very good place to start. (laughs) What happened in part one? We'll talk about part one. So part one is the lead up to the actual games where we're kind of seeing the the buildup on how these mentors are trying to handle promoting their um, victims. I don't what what do they call them in the book? I mean tributes. Tributes. Thank you. <laughs> and victims is just as good a They're word. Victims. It's very accurate. Um, I I actually I really like this section of the book because it's so different from what we've seen with all the other Hunger Games books because the tributes are treated like animals. Yeah, this is the 10th Hunger Games, so we're still pretty close to the very beginning and things are done a lot differently than they are in the Hunger Games trilogy as we know it. Right, because, I mean, during the entire first book, I mean, they treat Katniss and Peeta like royalty. Yeah, they're like celebrities. Yes. Yep, it's gotten to a point where they're they're essentially celebrities and they 
get like their last hurrah of the greatest foods and drinks and and finery of the capital and that is not how it is for the 10th hunger games yeah honestly part one was very difficult for me to read personally um just because i think it was such a shock to see how they or read how they were being treated because like you said that's not how it is in the others granted it's like the 74th and 75th um so in the 10th when they're literally brought from the very beginning they're brought to the capital in cattle trains then they're taken in like the tiniest truck that they can barely all fit in to a zoo and put in a monkey cage so people can just come and gawk at them and not fed never fed this has been like what they say three days at that point by the time they got dumped in there not allowed to bathe they're all wearing the same clothing did they wear the same clothing going into the arena as well as what they came that's what i thought yeah so like none of this is what we've been shown up until this point granted like you said it is the 10th but in my head i'm thinking like okay so this is like future america right Yes. And how many events and actions are repeated to previous things in history? Like back when, even like if you go all the way back to when we first came and how they treated Indians or back when slavery was legal and all these things. I was like, this is, it was the most bizarre thing because I'm just thinking like history repeats itself. People say it over and over all the time. And it was supposed to be this future America, but yet you see these people being treated like literal trash. Because of a war that happened. Yeah. Like you th- 10, 11 years prior. <clears throat> like you think that just the act of having the Hunger Games in the trilogy is bad. Then you get back here to the, the root of it when you're still at the mm-hmm. the beginning. And it's worse. At least how they're treated. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even gotten to the games yet. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, even, I even think like... So this is like supposed to be future America and comparing it to events that have already happened in our history that we're taught in school Mm -hmm. but even as you think like little remarks that are made throughout the book where they're like no they're district people yep they're filth they're district people we don't we don't convey with district people Mm -hmm. i mean people still talk that way about yeah certain nationalities and you know certain ethnicities now Mm -hmm. and so when i was reading this that was literally in my mind the entire time and it was very hard for me to get through part one they were like you think district children are like our children no they're not Mm -hmm. they're just beasts they're just heathens they're they're not the actual words that they were said yeah and so it's it was hard for me it it really was i drank a lot during part one (laughs) i really did i you know i i find this book especially this first section of the book so interesting because you know it's easy to forget and it's never mentioned in the movies that the hunger games or pan am specifically takes place in north america yes and in this book they do they mention it a couple times yes. where uh coriolanus is like well in the old the old days when this was the united states or they just say north america i think i'm pretty sure at one point he actually said the united states of america didn't he I don't. Somebody recall. did. I thought. I don't. I mean, I could be wrong, but I really don't think so. I think in any time that prior Panem, it's mentioned, it always just says North America. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she just does such a great job in this book of reminding you 
But that also brings up that there were districts before the war. Mm -hmm. And I would really like to get like just this history book of Pan Am. Yeah. How we got there. The segue from North America to Pan Am pre-war. Right, mm-hmm. because I, I mean, you know, there's a big change there, <laughs> and I mean, they're essentially, and I think it's this book. They're like, yeah, the rest of the world's desolate. I'd like to know about the rest of the world during all this too. Mm-hmm. Zombie apocalypse, I'm telling you. I'm just kidding. Global warming. <laughs> Skylar, need I remind you that note I found from you from like 13 years ago? <laughs> Just just like a month ago, I found this note from you 13 years ago when we were in like middle school and it said something about, huh, global warming. Do you really think that's a thing? <laughs> oh, how the times have changed. Oh, how the turns have tabled. The shirts are burping. <laughs> but anyway. Back on to it. <laughs> I, I, would, I would really like to see just a history of Pan Am. And I I think that that would honestly really tie into, because I was also thinking when I was reading this, how the whole point of the Hunger Games was to remind the rebels that they lost, to never let them forget who's in charge, all these things, right? Yes. But based on like past history of how they came to be (sighs) Pan Am and became a place that had all these districts... Okay, well, other things had to have happened that you're clearly forgetting. Yes. But you're just focused on... Because everything is just surrounded around this one civil war mm-hmm. that brought about the Hunger Games, which is the base of the book, I understand. But I'm just like, okay, but we're also... it's It's got to be bigger than just one war. I understand it was detrimental and everything, but to have this idea to create these games to punish these rebels for years to come seems so extreme to me. I think it would be really cool in the future <clears throat> if Suzanne Collins wrote like a um, just like a a a a a like um like a guide or um just like a companion novel or something of that sort, you know, like we get with other series, you know, we've gotten like with HP, we've gotten a handful of things mm-hmm. and um, a handful of other books. You get, you get other things. You get like these companion novels that go along with them. I think that would be a nice one. Even if she, if she doesn't want to do like a full flushed out 500 some page book to just do like a, companion a sword but she's got a money bag literally in her lap and i whatever she did with it i would buy it i would watch it i would listen to it i would read it i don't care mm, yeah. i don't care it's like it's like harry potter it was like give me more yeah. i'll take whatever you can give me you want to give me a four-hour movie done done hey i mean songbirds and snakes movie is coming out this year so i don't Very know how long it's gonna be but I'm super excited to see it. It'll it'll be interesting now that you know we've read this book to see see what they do with it. I'm excited for sure. I'm very excited, but yeah. So part one, all the so we have announced all the tributes. All the mentors are announced, and then they finally arrive in the capital. And how do you say his name? Cornelius. 
Coriolanus. 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 What's his nickname? Corio. Corio. I'm going to call him Corio because that's what his family and friends call him, and we're friends. Not really, but it's okay. So Corio, he takes it upon himself to arrive early at the train station to get a jump on getting to know his tribute, being his mentor, doing the things, because he has a lot to prove now that his family has no money and very low status as of right now. Because most big families in the capital have recuperated Mm -hmm. post uh, the end of the war, but his has not because Mm -hmm. his whole family was invested in District 13, which now doesn't exist. Right. Yep. So they got no income pretty much. Yeah. So. Two dead parents, no income. Yeah. So he's living with Grand Mam. Grand Mam and Tigress. <laughs> which was, I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Same. Tigress is Snow's cousin. Yeah. That what? was That was in like page two and I was like, whoa, what are we doing here? Starting off strong. I need to go back and read her sections of mm-hmm. the Hunger Games to. It's pretty I don't bizarre. Know, put, her, put, her in, put her in a different light. Do you think that they ever communicated once he became president? Or even, like, we're told at the end of this book that he's kind of going under the game maker. So once he, like, starts moving up and leaves the capital initially to be a peacekeeper, which we'll talk about later. But I wonder if they ever talked. They, I, I think they would have had to. Well, I don't know. See, the timeline for this, for this book compared to The Hunger Games is so odd. Yes. Because it's they're like sixty five years apart. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so how old is he in the Hunger Games? It like trilogy. He'd be pushing eighty, right? Well, yeah, because he's eighteen he's in the academy at, here. Yeah. The, at Hunger Games ten, he's eighteen. So right. add sixty five years to that. Uh, math. Math. Ninety something, right? Sixty five and eighteen. Ninety three. Mm-hmm. I did not get the assumption that he was pushing 100 mm-hmm. in the Hunger Games trilogy. No. That was the first thing that just blew, like blew my mind in here. I'm like, that is not how I would have placed this at all. But that also means that Tigress is pushing 100 then, too. Yeah. Like, so, so it's like so we've like- got a weird <clears throat> aging thing in... So, in New America. <laughs> say, so the average lifespan in New America just jumped. Well, I mean. Like a decade. So two we decades. Re- we regressed and then we jumped our lifespan. I, that's not that far out of the question though, right? Because we know that the capital. True. In the Hunger Games Lots is of, very, very advanced compared got, to everywhere else. Yeah, they've got a lot of modification, like body modification. Right. and um, Hell, they got a pill to make you throw up so you can eat more food. We've got that right now, I'm sure. Do we? It's called a finger in the back of the throat. (laughs) Just binging. (laughs) So, I mean, him being 93 in the Hunger Games doesn't really bother me. It's just, I mean, it's such a huge gap between the two. and Yeah, the beginning where finding out his age, it definitely threw me off because it just wasn't how, like, my brain would have placed it. I... You know, I would have thought 65 in the Hunger Games or, or something yeah. along those lines. But with, you know, 93, not where 
mm-hmm. I would have been at. Um, but yeah, definitely the end of this book to the beginning of the first Hunger Games book, um, I'd like to know more in there. I definitely thought that this book was going to go further into the timeline than it did. Yeah. 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 And it didn't. Yeah. We're like the first, like, I think parts one and part two were within a week time yeah. span. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit more because there were a couple days couple where they weeks. were actually in the games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So it, at the end of part one, I think we were only like four or five days in. Yeah. And it was kind of crazy. <laughs> But, but yeah, so what were your thoughts when the tribute showed up in a cattle train? Because like you said before, like we have only known the tributes to be treated like celebrities and fancy trains, all the food, fancy clothes, all the makeup, all this stuff. And this was kind of our first glimpse of, okay, this is Hunger Games 10 and it was not like that. I wasn't really surprised, honestly. I got the vibe from... Um, the first couple chapters before that happened that it was a very different time mm-hmm. than um, Hunger Games 1. But, um, so yeah, it really didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me that that is how things were at that point. That Well, I think even in the lead up to them being delivered to the Capitol, uh, Coriolanus is like, you know, the Capitol is still reeling from this war and it's been 10 years you know we're we're still seeing all kinds of issues and we're just now on the up where things are starting to kind of go back to how they were before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so, i mean he I'm, says I, that things are pretty similar pr- pretty getting back to to normal despite you know like the concrete blocks that they leave in the street and like the bomb rubble here that they leave as like a remembrance or whatever. But, but after meeting, uh, Dr. Gall, I can't say that I'm surprised because I mean, she, everything was an animal to her. So she really creeped me out. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And then like in the audio book, her voice was weird. <laughs> was it really? It was so weird. Oh no! Yeah, because you guys both did the audiobook and I. I'm trying. To I like, just read it. I'm trying to think of an actor to describe it so you can just like hear it in your head, and I can't think of one that's like creepy right off the top of my head. I'm not a movie person. I wouldn't know anyway. I'm sure. Yeah, I got nothing. Anyway. I don't know. I'll think of something. I'll think of something. <laughs> but, but yeah, and so we see just kind of this change and trying to rebuild. And in a way, you kind of, you feel bad for him because, for Snow, just because, you know, he's got no parents. And he's just kind of trying to get through with his financial situation. Now he's He's kind of excited to be a mentor because he can prove himself, but then finds out that he's assigned to the District 12 girl and District 12 as, you know. You know, this is actually something I wanted to touch on anyway, is with the end of Mockingjay, we talked about how Snow never really felt like a villain. 
and you know he was just trying to do what was best for or what he thought was best for his country which i mean you know we we can get into a whole debate on that and we're not going to but um the first section of this book does a great job at humanizing mm. who is supposed to be the big villain of the the whole series absolutely and you feel for him i mean like genuinely because he's like we used to be rich now we're poor we're barely making ends meet i'm eating <clears throat> cabbage. Cabbage, cabbage soup cabbage soup and you know on a on a good day i get crackers <laughs> yeah yeah so when this started because before reading this book i was on the same page as you where i i thought that during hunger games he was like 50 60 something like that so in my head I had thought before really diving deep into details that maybe he was born into Pen M being what it is now and the Hunger Games already existing. So he's just doing to what he knows to be true, right? So I just thought like, okay, well, I mean, you can't, it's hard for me to fault him for that because this is all he's ever known to him. This is what life is, right? And then reading this book, you find out that he was actually there during the war and suffered all these different things like other people were. They were very short on food at one point because they didn't have all these resources. And he, you know, watched his parents die in the same year, almost had a sister. His sister dies. And then he ended up being a key player in how the layout of the Hunger Games, as we know them, right. end up being. Right. So, like you said, it's he went through a bunch of shit. He went through so much crap, and he's mad. He's angry. He is he, literally, he has these people, like, taking care of him out of, out of pure luck, honestly. Because not a lot of people have what he has and has people that care about them like he does. But he doesn't have his parents. He was supposed to have a sibling. He doesn't have a sibling. And they have no money. Yeah. And to him, like, these rebels came in and tried to take over. And he was so young at that point that... Like, and influential. Right. And, yeah. Like, eight, nine years old. Like, when everything ended. Yep. So, they did a really good job of making you feel bad for him. But I was with you, Sky. I didn't think... It was hard for me to see him as the major villain at the end of the Hunger Games series, even though he was the president orchestrating everything. Yeah. It was hard for me to see him in that light. And it really got worse during the first part of this book. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel for this kid. Yeah. Cause it, he was just a kid. It was so rough to, because I, I was reading this book and it almost seemed like an entirely separated thing from what we know as the Hunger Games trilogy. Because just because yeah you you feel for him it, it, like the humanizing of him and um just like getting his viewpoint and you know the things that he goes through it I, I was probably halfway through the book when I had to like remind myself you know this is that same character mm -hmm. this is just the childhood of that same character so it was a weird disconnect trying to put those together when they just didn't like yeah Obviously, like you get Katniss's viewpoint um, right. in the other books. So it's a totally different opinion toward this character. And, you know, having him as the main viewpoint of this one, it just a little weird. Mm -hmm. 
It is it is interesting though because as he meets um, his tribute and they start, you know, you kind of get in his head of how he's being strategic with the audience and how he's, you know, sh- being shown to treat her in front of the cameras and things that he says to certain to certain people and how he thinks these things through. He's very very smart, mm-hmm. very smart, and. Honestly, I think that he did a fantastic job as being a mentor and getting people to like his tribute and getting those, you know, sponsors since that was his idea to do in this Hunger Games is to allow people to put put money towards tributes and send them gifts during the games and things like that. He did a really good job of making her likable. Mm -hmm. I mean, she hit it off on her own during her own reaping and he just kind of helped build on that so he's very smart cookie very smart cookie i was very impressed with his knowledge and strategy at 18 he'd be very very good businessman (laughs) well and i mean you know yet again we see that in the later books or the first books where i mean he's he's rebuilt the capital he's He's made the Hunger Games this big to-do every year, and I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't hate the guy. That's the problem with I've had with these books is when I'm reading these books, books like this, I want a villain that I do not like, I, that I don't want to humanize, that I don't, He wants you know, an umbrage. I want an umbrage. I want a... Uh, uh, the king from Throne of Glass. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they just, you know, they're bad people doing bad things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the sake of being bad. Right. Yeah. So what was your first impression of Lucy Gray? So you, the first time you see her is at her own reaping. So it's like being televised on the screen. She puts on this big performance gets hit by the mayor and still gets up and got this makeup all this makeup on a rainbow dress she twirls herself up to the stage and on the way drops a snake in somebody's dress or skirt or whatever yeah what what do we think i like lucy i mean i yeah. i think she's she's a good counterpart to snow in this in this book because they're complete opposites Yep, exactly. You Very know, much so opposite. She's the colorful, crazy, loud, and to he's cold and calculating and... Rigid and strict and... Right. Yeah. And I just... The, the dynamic between the two, I really enjoyed. And it was it was almost fun watching her rub off on him during the first section of this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked that they made a character that was very, like you said, bright and um, bubbly and kind and very warm and always wanting to help. Because I think it would have been very easy to make someone similar to Katniss to kind of mirror what had gone on in the first three books. But then he does say that, you know, Katniss, he had told Katniss at one point that she reminded him of himself. But I think it would have been an easy option to kind of mirror that story and i'm glad that it was someone 
granted it's someone defiant in district 12 shocker Mm. but i'm glad that they made someone that was you know wearing the bright colors and you know the crazy makeup and she was so musically inclined Mm -hmm. and well and i mean here's here's a question for you guys do you think because i don't want to get too much into the third part but you know they talk about erasing the 10th hunger games do you think that lucy gray has a direct impact on the capitals fashion senses in the later books because they're bright they're colorful they're they're outrageous really honestly i thought about that too because i was thinking about because they had mentioned a couple of times that they were having a hard time of getting audience engagement in the hunger games of making it more of an entertainment factor for people in the capital because people were still seeing it as killing children which Mm -hmm. essentially is what it is but that's not how they wanted it to be seen by people in the capital right yeah so when things start changing she was one of the ones that with her singing and you know her team aesthetic with snow kind of brought that entertainment up and people were very engaged and wanted to see her and were rooting for her. So I think yes. And I think because she had an impact on him, regardless of how their story ended, which we'll talk about later, I think that she had a lasting impact on him. And that's kind of what brought him into leading to more of that entertainment piece later on when he becomes president. Because I thought about that too. I thought that was interesting. Right. Jess? Oh, yeah. No, I hadn't thought about the clothing aspect. Definitely the entertainment portion, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a good I'm, question. And, like, I, yeah, I do think it was great to have her uh, personality as it was because she she was. She was kind. She was polite. She um, en- engaged with the just the people that were walking by in the zoo and, you know, through the screens and everything like that. It was all just... It was all entertainment, and it was positive entertainment for the most part mm-hmm. from her. Um, and she was like kind to the other, like smaller children, and which so, given the situation, she didn't have to be. Yeah, so it was. I think that that definitely did something for the people of the capital. Mm-hmm. Changed some way that they looked at things. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about Doctor Gall? Dr. Gall, for me, was an umbrage. (laughs) Not a fan. I think at the beginning, like, when we first met Dr. Gall and we also first met Dean Highbottom, they were kind of, like, at this, like, same point that we met them Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I kept going back and forth with how I felt about both of them, not being sure who I, like, disliked more or, (laughs) like, who was going to be worse as a character. Um, Yeah. You know, I still don't know. I, I still think Dr. Gall ended up being worse as a character, but I still kind of was going back and forth at the end by how I felt about either one of them. You know, the, it's such an interesting topic talking about High Bottom because, <laughs> because he's not, he wasn't the bad guy. No. But we're rooting for the bad guy in this book. You know what I'm saying? Are we? I mean, we're you're rooting for snow. Kind Are of. we rooting for him though? I did want him to get the girl at the end. No, I like hundred percent. I mean, I you know, they're writing him as this character, and you're like, 
you know, I want to. Jess is the only see... one that was sane when reading this. Like, <laughs> hey, this is the bad guy, guys. I want to see Lucy Gray win. I want to see Snow. I want to see the evolution of Snow from this kid into what he yes. is later in the book. I wanted to see that more than I think I saw that. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with that statement, yes. I wanted to see further than we saw. I wanted to see more of the change, because I think we just got, like, the tip of the change. The tip of that switch over. Yeah, yeah. From child to adult ends up being president. Yeah. Can I just say, I thought that, you know, you know, when the whole thing after the 75th, like the third quarter quell happens, and... You know, we're starting to get more of, like, this rebel story with Katniss in the trilogy. You know, Snow and his capital, they do some pretty horrific things. Like, even when it comes to, you know, PETA and the other tributes that they kidnapped and torturing them and things like that. Gaul's pretty bad. I'm just saying, like, she had literally tributes. Like, she was dragging through the street. She had someone... She had a girl's arm get bitten by a snake to where it left her, like, growing scales just because she lied about writing a paper. I'm just like, this this woman is vicious. Vicious. And then with Marcus, like, there they had that big bombing at the arena. Were you, are, do we assume that that was the Rebels? We were never told for sure. I don't think it was the Rebels. Mm-mm. I think it was. But we were never told for sure. No, we there were just, never told. These bombs go off in the arena there's a couple tributes that die. There's mentors that are hospitalized. All these things. And this was just when they went to check out the arena prior to the games. Right. To just go take a walk around. Right. It wasn't and, even in the games. And they were already in very bad situations being shackled because there was a tribute that had killed a mentor at the zoo. Yes. So they're already intensely shackled and malnourished and all these things because security is just up the wall zoo after that happened yeah and this bomb goes off multiple bombs go off a hole is now open in the arena and a couple people flee a couple tributes flee see their opening and they go a few of them try there's like three right mm, i thought it was five it was is it both five? it was districts one and two and then because a couple marcus of, marcus was district two Right, but a couple oh, yeah. of them are shot. One girl climbs up the wall and dies falling off the wall. And then, oh, so maybe it was four. And then Marcus. Yeah. Because two were shot, right? Two or three, I don't remember. I don't remember either. But anyway, so Marcus disappears. No idea where he went. So they're on this big manhub for Marcus. Then all of a sudden, the games start, and very similar to what happens to Katniss with Cinna, right before the games... Marcus is displayed, half alive, bloody as hell, in the arena. Just hanging there. Just chained up on, what do they call those, like an X? Mm-hmm. Whatever you call those. Yeah. Um. So, and shock right there, off the, off the bat. Marcus, who was from District 2, was Sejanus's tribute. Who was also Ooh. originally from District 2. Let, I mean, let's let's step back. Let's actually talk about Sejanus for a minute. Um, because I 
at the beginning of this book, when they introduced Janus, I did not like his character. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, he's just annoying whiny and annoying. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Yep. And yet again, as this book goes on, I mean, you really, really start to feel for this kid. Because, yeah. I mean, he's just, he has been dealt a bad hand and he wants out so Remind bad. me, what is his dad's job title? Because his, so Janus and his family are originally from District 2. His, they came with, came about this money or something happened to where his dad wanted to move them to the capital to prevent him from being a part of the Hunger Games, keeping the family safe. You know, he came into his he came into money somehow. His somehow. family came into money, and somehow. so when they go into the capital and move to the capital, what is his dad's job title? He's the mus- uh, musician. Um, I can remember munitions, like manager or something. Because isn't District Two the district where they make a lot of the weapons? I remember that's where they find most of their peacekeepers. Right. That's what I remember. But I couldn't remember because I know that Dr. Gall makes a comment, but like your dad's office isn't far from here. Right. So I couldn't remember. He's a war profiteer. Um, Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. He made his fortune off uh, munitions. Musicians. I about said it too. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, with all the money that he made during the war um he was able to buy himself a place in the capital yeah their story was just so interesting because they come from district two and then he ended up getting getting having to mentor the district two tribute which they were in school together yeah which was not coincidental whatsoever didn't his dad purposefully like pay for him to have that to teach him a lesson that's what it was inferred yeah so because that's just kind of what happens is you just push money around to get your kids where you want them to go. Yep. But I I really like that added storyline. Because like you, I thought he was so whiny. Yeah. He complained about everything. So yeah, and then him and Marcus and we find out like they were actually schoolmates, and yeah, and we they think, remember each other. We think Marcus held a grudge because uh, he wasn't taking any of the nice things that Sejanus was trying to offer prior to the games, food or talking or and I mean anything. Just to throw it out there, Sejanus is a decent probably the only decent human being in the capital, right? I mean maybe his mom or ma. Um Ma Plimp. But I mean, you know He seems to be the only one thinking logically about what is going on right like who doesn't see that this is wrong to just kill people i mean he's seeing it from a very different perspective being coming from a district yeah yeah was did he move to the capital post-war do do we know was it post-war yeah yes it it was either post post post-war or right towards the end of the war the end of the first rebellion Okay. That was so. part of the deal that his dad made to yes. go to the Capitol was he was supposed to be enrolled in the academy. Yep, and then he would be donating a portion of his wealth for that. Hmm. I wonder where he got all that money. Because he's just passing it out like candy. For real, though. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, I th- I think that sums up part one of this book actually extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
really good characters. Yeah, I mean, everybody, I, I feel like the characters in this book are w- way better written than the characters in the Hunger Games trilogy. At least at the beginning, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know that we need to dig into part two a whole lot. Um, it is just the Hunger Games section of this book where... I thought the games were boring. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not at a point in time where they're flashy and exciting. And where they have all these and, effects and stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's still a... I mean, the year before this, they said it was dumping tributes in an, an arena and them just grabbing a weapon and going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this is the first year. a day. Yeah, this was the first year that they tried to do something a little different to make it more engaging, to make people mm-hmm. want to view it as a sporting event, essentially. Instead of just, yeah. I just think that display of Marcus was just like such a, a very intense moment because I really I immediately thought of Cinna mm-hmm. immediately and what the the effects that that would have on the tributes, and then, man, the the reaction that the mentors had also it was just like you could just feel like everything just huge so wet blanket heavy. over everything yes yeah yes like can you imagine being in that room when he threw that chair at the at the screen and stormed out like crazy what what but not a lot not a lot happened during the games yeah so um, part two was just it was the games and it was i think right prior to the games it was also a lot of uh coriolanus and lucy gray getting closer yeah, and, and the big the big takeaway from the games is Coriolanus actually gets caught cheating, which is a big a big no no even in the early Hunger Games, which I didn't yeah. I don't really understand. I mean, but I mean, it's well, the I, games for the tributes. It's not the games for the mentors. But the, the, that right contradicts now. every well, everything that happens up to this point I'm because they're making it a game for the mentors. Yeah, but not in the arena. It's yeah, say like everything that like they're adding to it, like with the betting and stuff, is more for the audience to engage, like you were saying. Well, but everything has to be authentic in the games, and it has to be fair. And <laughs> fair, and they uh, they did also then um, at one point I don't remember if it was part one or part part two, but they added on um, a, another incentive. For the mentors mm-hmm. that yeah. um, they would now get a full ride to university, too. Because because of the plinths. Yeah. Yes. Because of Sejanus's dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Snow basically falls for Lucy. He never says. Lucy Gray. He never says the love, but he definitely kisses her. There's some kissing action going on in the goodbye moment. And, um. So during the games, he finds out that Gaul is planning on releasing her snakes into the arena. Snakes that he knows do not touch anyone that they are familiar with smell-wise. And those they do touch are severely injured, if not killed. Right. So he sneaks a little handkerchief that he had in his pocket that has all of Lucy's smell on it into the cage with the snakes so they can familiarize themselves with the smell and she will not be injured. Hence the cheating. Hence the cheating. Well, and then he also gave her an empty compact so she could put some rat poison in it to take with her to 
And I mean, that's smart. The reason she wins these games is because she used that rat poison to kill. Absolutely. Two tributes. Yep. Yes. And then she used one of the snakes that Snow had mm-hmm. essentially tricked mm-hmm. to killing a third. It's well, sh- like straight up. Like. Yeah. And because they didn't go after her, it, she didn't die. I mean, she yep. would have died if he, because yep. they were all around her mm-hmm. along with around the other tributes. My favorite scene in this book might be her walking out singing to the snakes and they're just they're and just dancing her. around yeah. her. I was like, Ooh, that's that's cool. That's well written. I can't, I really <laughs> hope they put that in movie form because I'm very excited to see that yeah. scene. Yeah. But so he he gets caught. Like they're not they're not messing around. They know So she wins the games. Yeah, it's announced all of that. She wins the games and then immediately after while he's like waiting to be taken to her or something of that sort, they mm-hmm. call him in to go to what Doctor Gall's office. Yes, Dean Highbottom. Dean Highbottom's office. Yes. Peter Dinklage's office. <laughs> I'm so excited. Which, is, <laughs> which should be the actor for that character in the movie. And Highbottom tells him he's like, "Hey, we 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 caught you. So uh, you were gonna leave my office." You're going to go sign up for the peacekeepers and you're going to leave tomorrow morning, which is essentially the army. Yep. So he gets shipped off to district 12. <laughs> he requested district 12. He did, did he request it? He requested yes. it. And because they thought it was weird because no one ever requests to go to district 12, but he was holding out this little sliver of hope that she would be sent back to 12 and he could find Lucy gray. Mm-hmm. And guess what guys? He found Lucy Gray. Lucy Gray. Now, so this brings us into part three. I loved part three of this book. Yeah. I just, it was so interesting, the dynamic between the peacekeepers and the District 12 residents. Which to me didn't seem that far off from the dynamic in the trilogy. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. So. Um the dynamic of the Covey itself, which is the, the group that Lucy Gray runs with. The like the musical group. Right. Um it just it just I thought it was extremely well written to watch Snow's descent into for lack of a better term, madness. So um yeah, we get we get a couple really great scenes between Snow and Lucy once they finally meet back up and then the shit literally hitting the fan when um i don't think you know what literally means literally hits the fan <laughs> snow kills the mayor's daughter because he's trying to save sejanus well, from rebellion yeah it's, i mean back up a little bit he finds out that sejanus is um having rebellious tendencies again again sejanus but, but i mean more i wouldn't even call him rebellious tendencies he just wants out he he wants to leave the districts and the capital altogether so having rebellious tendencies because he's going against what he should be doing Uh, again and and talking with again (laughs) with those in um district 12 that also um are planning to leave and get out and and um get away from the area and he's like conspiring with them essentially for them all to leave as a group i'm honestly i'm honestly surprised he's still alive after the stunt he pulled in the arena 
Yeah, for real. I'm surprised he got out of that with just going to the peacekeepers. So. Yeah. Oh, his dad lined people's pockets for sure. Absolutely. Didn't they say that? I'm pretty sure they said that. Probably. That he paid to just have it. Yeah, yeah. Covered up. Yeah, yeah. So, he's getting in with these people and not doing the things he's supposed to do and whatever. And Coriolanus feels responsible for him. So, he's like tailing him all over and convincing him to trying to convince him to make good decisions according to his opinion and um then catches him in the act of not making good decisions so many bad decisions (laughs) because he finds the money like a big stash of money so Janus lies about having money. Mm-hmm. Right. Then, yeah. So he finds the money. He's going around saying that he's broke. Like, he yep. has nothing. But he literally has thousands of dollars stashed away. And then, do we hear about the um, the guns? Or is that after? So he's talking with somebody at the hob about buying weapons. Coriolanus kind yeah. of figures that out. Yeah. And then during the middle of a concert, the concert, he finds him. He trails him as he leaves. Coriolanus trails mm-hmm. him and finds him out in the back shed with Lucy Gray's ex, uh, Tope, uh, Tope, Billy, Billy Tope, and um, Spud. <laughs> what was his name? Like Spruce. Spruce. It was Spruce. <laughs> Which was the brother of one of the, the rebels lover who was caught. of the guy that the Hanging Tree song was written about. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. His wife, what, Lily? Mm-hmm. That is her brother, yeah. Spruce. And he wanted, yeah. And Spruce wanted to get Lily out of jail, essentially. Yep. To run away with them. Yeah, because they were all going to break her out and then go north. And she went to jail because uh, she got her caught. lover told her to run. Mm-hmm. She didn't do anything. <laughs> yep. But yep, she got apprehended. Got caught in the middle of a bad situation. Yeah, so before all this, what, a couple days into them being peacekeepers? Yeah, a couple days to a couple weeks of them being peacekeepers, they got called out to observe a hanging Yep, from a rebel guy who ended up setting off a bomb, killed three people, and that's... In the mines. In the Mm -hmm. mines, including a peacekeeper. And, uh, yeah, Lucy Gray wrote a song about it. Yeah. And then at one point, it all comes out. Like, he's being honest that he's doing this stuff with the rebels. This is the plan. Because he's confiding in Snow. He trusts this guy. And for some reason, Snow's got this weird thing with with the birds. <laughs> he, Actually, hates birds. I, he hates I birds. I love this tie-in. Yeah, that he's like, I hate Jabber Jays and Mockingjays. Yep. I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. And then 
what is Katniss become? Yes, I love that. I just thought that Symbolism. was the most nifty tie-in to these original books. There's a there's a lot of small tie-ins. Right. I know we could talk about them just like I in a love whole separate that episode so much. Yeah, but so he's like going on this like hunting spree because he just wants them all gone, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, he's here and his friend tell him all this stuff about how he wants to go with the rebels and do all this stuff and he's holding the bird so how do the the jabber jays and then the mocking jays work like how do they work my understanding is the jabber jays are like remote controlled recording devices right yes because they were lab made right yes the jabber jays are um, a mutation is that what we were calling them right and the mocking jay is offspring as, right it's essentially the evolution of the yes. jabber jay yes. mating with a mockingbird right 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 so he takes a jabber jay right he takes a jabber jay and which he, can be controlled yep. via what do you just call it a clicker <laughs> like what is this you just 50s? push down the beak and <laughs> no, look I, at my clicker <laughs> like a, it's like a pager i mean there was like look red it's got a foot pedal like my sewing machine <laughs> <laughs> that 50 show that's funny anyway sorry <laughs> that's what i that's what i assumed like there was just like a like a button yeah it was a button but i i thought he said something about a clicker but i guess not maybe i don't not. remember no i i don't remember him saying clicker but i do i like i pictured him holding a remote it's control. a programmed remote control of right. some yeah, sort and he records the conversation and then sends it off to dr gall and then has all this guilt about doing it. But and he's like, he's oh, like, oh, they oh won't. no, it, there's no way. I don't even know if it was recording. They would have to like play all the birds again, even though we were told to clear them all out. They'd, yeah. They'd have to miraculously decide to play them again to even hear that. So they probably won't even hear it. You know, I really like the end of the chapter leading up to this where he's like, and Sejanus comes up to me and just instinctively I hit record. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, you know, that, you know, it, it's one of those things that, like, even subconsciously, you know, you don't know if he meant to do it or, but, yeah. Because at this point, I mean, he sees Sejanus as family, as his brother. I disagree. I think he's just saying that to say it. I think he's saying that to cover to cover it up and to <coughs> stay in good graces with Sejanus at this point because he's because he has been trailing him and he wants to figure out more and he has been contemplating turning him in and I mean how many times in the first half of the book did he just say, Oh, we're just acquaintances? Yeah. You oh, know? stop calling me your friend. Oh, stop um, I don't think he really cared about him at all. I disagree. I, I think at this point in the book, he cares about Sejanus because he's he's writing that line between becoming the villain and becoming a rebel. And I mean, it's a it's a pretty fine line that he's he's running on because of Lucy Gray and Sejanus because you know he loves her and and he cares about Sejanus and you know he ends up choosing his love for the capital over both of them, obviously, but. I I think I think at this point he cares about Sejanus. I do think he cares about him to an extent 
just due to him being due to everything that they've gone through together and him being the closest thing to home that there was kind of like he said right when he showed up he was excited to see him even though he had never been excited to see him before in his life he'd always been like a thorn in his side due to his demeanor and coming from the districts I don't I mean he called him his brother a couple times but I think that was all for show I don't think he felt that close to him whatsoever I think he you know I think he had some care uh, by this point but I don't think it was nearly to that extent I think that was for show that's just me agree to disagree yep You're both looking at me like, whose side are you picking? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you don't have to have an opinion at all. <laughs> but word does get back to the Capitol. So Janice is doing some things that they don't like. He's what, just like pulled out of the cafeteria the next day or a mm, couple days arrested. later? arrested, yep. And yep. Uh, gets sentenced to be hung. And And keep in mind that at this point, uh, Snow is convinced that it's because of the murders that happened during the concert where they killed uh, Billy Tope and the mayor's daughter. Mm-hmm. Mayfair. Was it Mayfair? Mayfair. Yeah. So he's he's afraid he's going to get hung, too. He's because, stressing. He's yeah. thinking they're coming for him next, and he's just planning to die at this yep, point. He's waiting for them to find that murder weapon. Yep. He's wanting to leave a handkerchief for Lucy Gray and... He mailed off Sejanus's money to Tigris. And then it doesn't happen. Nope. You know, he gets. It's after my timeline's a little messed up here. He and Lucy meet up and she convinces him to leave to leave District 12 to go away from the districts and run away with her. Just them two. To grab some essentials and just go. And he surprisingly agrees. So they plan to do that, what, the following day or in two days? Or I think this, this conversation's going on in the morning. <laughs> and yeah. they plan to do it the following oh, morning. Yeah. Right. But then that afternoon when he returns what to base, essentially, um, he gets called in by Commander Hoff, the commander, yeah. and is told that he passed his what officers general exam. officers yeah. exam and is going to be sent to District two. 2 for elite ca- classes. Yeah. See, th- this is where I was getting confused a second ago because... I couldn't remember if this happened before Sejanus's death or after, and it happens mm. after. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, because then so, they tell him like, "Hey, like you did a great job. We're gonna send you for these elite classes. You leave tomorrow, which is the same morning that he's supposed to meet Lucy." Yeah. So now he's got a decision. Right to go with Lucy, or so let's let's backstep for one second and talk about um, Sejanus's. So Janus's death. Well, and I don't. I think he's supposed to leave in the afternoon, right? Not so in the meet- morning. He's supposed to meet Lucy before dawn in the morning. 
and he would have supposed to be leaving for peacekeeper officer training yeah in the afternoon so he, he did then decide to pick lucy and leave with her Yep. So he stuffs his pockets and he heads out and meets her at the hanging tree. And they lived happily ever after. And they take off. The end. But wait, there's more. You want to talk about his death? I do. I would like to talk about James's death just real quick before we jump into the very end of this book. Yep. Um, it sucked. Yeah, it did. It was, it was a, it was rough. You know, he walks out to the hanging platform and he, he looks at, uh, snow and he's just like, Corio. And he's like, Corio. And yeah, snow's like, I don't know if it's because he's mad at me or if it's because, you know, he wants me to say something. And then they... (laughs) You okay over there, Amanda? No, I literally cried <laughs> reading this. <laughs> they tie the noose around his neck, and what happens, Amanda? <laughs> so, a phrase in 12 is, it's not over until the Mockingjay sings. <laughs> because at the hangings, whatever the last words of the dying are, the Mockingjay's copy it and repeat it so we we see this earlier in this part with the the first hanging that uh snow was at and the mocking jays repeat the word run, run. It, it's run lil right run lil run yeah so yeah. they just keep repeating it and th- this is i think is part of the reason he hates the mocking jays yeah. so much is because that's his first experience Encounter. yeah so uh what were sejanus's what was Janus's last word, Amanda? Ma. <laughs> he was calling for his mom. It was really sad. Just absolutely gut-wrenching. Ugh. Gosh, but it was so beautifully and- written, though, because it just, like, the detail in talking about the Mockingjays just repeating it. And, God, it's just, it literally gave me goosebumps. It's so bad because he just, he in a, from a moral standpoint, he didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He, he was a good person, mm-hmm. and so it was just. It was so sad because it was just. He was just being condemned for. Either wanting Conspiracy, to do something right yeah. or, get out of the wrongness, and that's all. Yeah, that was sad. That was very sad. Mm-hmm. Ma, ma, ma. That's how that chapter ends with just the Mocking Jays repeating. I will absolutely ball my eyes out during the movie. <laughs> We're all going together, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh. So anyway, Snow is on the run with Lucy. What happens there? Because it is not happily ever after. So they head out, which we see this area before, but they head out toward the lake, which we see, mm-hmm. you know, we hear about it's. It's Katniss and her dad's lake. Yep. Which I just love all the little tie-ins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they stop in the meadow, right? Yeah, to, the meadow. To get some, just rest. And 
Lucy she's gonna Grit. go pull some Katniss. Well, and Lucy, Lucy asked another song, the the song about the meadow, which was also in the Hunger Games. <sighs> but Lucy asks Snow a question, and he answers with, "Well, I've killed three people now," and she's like, "Well, who's the third? And and he kind of just like continues on with other conversation and then she doubles back and she's like okay well um mayfair or mayfair mayfair Mayfair, and then the the one bill tribute bobbin bobbin Bobbin. (laughs) (laughs) bilbo bobbins that's so funny bobbin that was in the arena that he that was attacking him and he had to get out and um and then she's like but who else and he's like oh i killed the other half of me the the half old the, me the old me there you go yeah so i could come with you yeah <laughs> and it's i think this is the point where everything just kind of yeah i was just like okay no mm-mm. it got weird and i i feel like from here until the almost the end of the book but from here until mostly the end of the book was super rushed I th- that's what I thought Super too. Super It was it hard was for like, me to okay, follow. Let's at a just point. get everything done. You can get a little glimpse of where he's going here, but it's like a little sneak peek. I think this flash. This last big situation was super rushed, and like I especially get, with how dramatic it was. Yeah, and like I get that it was it was a little hard to follow for me, and I wonder if that was because he got bit by a snake at one point, and so like his perspective was kind of altered due to that so i didn't know if part of that and my lack of being able to follow was his altered perspective because it is his perspective but i was it was rushed and tricky for me i liked it i liked how it felt fast-paced and you know he's he's running through the woods chasing after chasing after lucy so so what happened after after she asks him this question and he gives the weird answer about yeah killing himself as hell him I'm doing great today killing himself as the third person well so she says that she's gonna go like they stop and rest and she's gonna go pick some Katniss right so a little time goes by he goes looking for her and can't find her well but even before that they go into the the shack that's there essentially and they find the guns and this is the oh, point where yeah. yep, where choreo is like he changes I, his mind yeah he's like i'm done i'm going back they I can't f- prove that i murdered right because the weapon's here right. yeah and he, then they found the bag of missing guns that billy topin sejanus and but he never said that Spruce to her had been buying. that he had made that decision to go back right no when all this stuff had gone down no he doesn't talk he just, to her anymore after right that. right yeah so he just made that comment and then mentally decided like no i'm going back yeah so they find he finds the guns and he's like well hell i've got the gun they can't find it i can wipe all my prints off of it destroy it sink it in the lake and nobody will ever know that i did anything mm-hmm. I can still go and have to this, officers this life that I want and yeah. still go back to my life and changes his mind to go do that instead of going with her. Cause he's like, we're only a couple hours in and I already know I don't like this. 
I already know I don't yeah, like to live like this. I don't want to live in the wilderness. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, this isn't going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And so she's been taking a while looking for Katniss or whatever. Yep. And uh, he thinks it's weird. So he goes out to look for her. Armed, by the way. Holding his gun. <laughs> yeah. And then wonders why she's hiding from him. So we're assuming at this point that she was suspicious due to his weird answer of the third person that he killed and was already checking out of the situation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I assume that she's like, whether he saw her or not, because he says he didn't, couldn't see her anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I think that she saw him with a gun and I still would be like, where the fuck did you get that gun? Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Like I'm already sus of you right now. And now you have a gun. Like this isn't going to end well for me. No, she, she knew the guns were in the cabin. Because she she walked by, but he's, com- but he's and coming a knife. looking for her with a gun. That would make me suspicious. Yeah, especially of someone that I'm already thinking killed <clears throat> another person that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she is suspicious at that point, and then is like hiding out. Because I I think she's so I think she's already planning on uh, dipping out from him and then he doesn't make the matter any better by coming out with a gun and going lucy <laughs> lucy where yet <laughs> it's giving shine it's giving shining vibes honestly <laughs> yeah and and he's like we can still talk this out and like yeah no getting really weird at that point i'd be yeah. like mm, not coming out for you dude mm-hmm. yeah straight up but from that point that she leaves to go look for Katniss and other food and whatever we don't ever see her again nobody does nobody ever sees her again no we have no idea what happened no because he goes what traipsing through the woods looking for her and and sees the handkerchief the orange handkerchief what just slung over a branch and right when he finds that, he gets bit by the snake. And he's like, oh, that was definitely her doing, snake girl. And so then he's continuously running. Yeah, around. he gets bitten by a snake and he's like, I just open fire in the woods. Yep. And he's like, I do like full circles while I'm just shooting the he's gun. He's like, I don't know if I hit her or not or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like just being absolutely reckless about it. And then ends up running back toward the lake. Sinking them all in the lake and going back, heading to... back, mm-hmm. and yeah. that was it. By the way, the snake that he was bit by was not poisonous, so if she did set it up, she did not want to kill him, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Yeah, where's she keeping her snakes? Well, Maud Ivory says at one point she just... Pulls them out of her pockets. She just knows where they're at. She's really good at finding snakes. Yeah. And that's funny because uh, <laughs> Snow is a snake. Yeah. he. I mean, he is essentially the snake of the book. Mm-hmm. And she is the songbird. Right. Yeah. Which is also interesting. You know, it's it's called the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And ballads are songs that tell stories. And so they, at one point in the book, go through um, the covey and talk about their, everybody has a ballad, either something that already had their name in it or something that they find fitting for them or whatever. And Lucy Gray's is 
it ends up being this really mysterious ballad that at the end of the song, the the person in the ballad, Lucy, they don't know whether whether she died or grew wings, like literally, or um, became a ghost or what at the end of the ballad. And it's just really... I love how the author tied that in with the end of this book in us not knowing what happened to Lucy Gray. She just ended up disappearing mm-hmm. and she becomes an enigma just like in her ballad. I love it. Yeah. It was written so well. Yeah. Very good symmetry. So Snow makes it back. Um, they Dis- ship him off to District 2. He ends up going to the Capitol and meeting with Gaul. Yeah. So he was supposed to go to District 2 and then the hovercraft just stops in the capital instead and he's surprised yeah Yeah. so he meets up with dr gall and she's like (laughs) bro dude that was just summer vacation (laughs) you really think that we'd make you go to district two and she tells him essentially it was all a test and yeah this this is this was the point that this book just kind of lost me I was wish the, it was the epilogue. I said, I wish it would have just been a little bit longer. Like I wanted more like, of, yeah, I wanted more of that progression. Yep. I didn't want to be like, yep, he went and then, you know, shadowed under her at the university and then he went and did this and then he went and did this and then that's how he became who he is. Yeah. Like what? Well, and it's like, okay, through the beginning of especially like part one, there were multiple times where he said to himself, President Snow, I'm going to be president. Mm-hmm. Like, they never said why he said that to himself. No, they did. No. His, did they? Grandma, his, his grandma. His grandma. Yeah. She used to head. say that to him. Oh, but I mean, but like, why? Yeah. Like, there was never, there was never a reason that that was like thrown in, um, at all and like there was never like that a a tie-in for that to then it actually happening and you know what i mean like they didn't really explain why they had that idea or that mantra to begin with yeah they never it, it wasn't ever anything that was actually like said well this is a plan or you know you can you can do great things, so you're gonna strive to be pre- like. There was no discussion or anything. It was just like a phrase that was said. I don't know. Yeah, I I really did want to see more too of like when he was game maker, because he came up with some interesting ideas that they decided to use during this Hunger Games, like including like the betting and the sponsorship and things mm-hmm. like that. And. Uh, I would like to see more of like when he was game maker, and then when did at what point did he become president? Do we know like how old he was? Nope. I do not know. I don't know. There's just some like more questions. Like I just want wanted more of a timeline there. Yeah, but so we we end the book with essentially the plants, Sejanus's parents, um, adopting uh, Coriolanus and him studying under goal and so and they don't ever know that he was the one that killed their son right no that that and he's fine me. with it he's fine he was just he had no cares in the world after that yeah no cares he's like oh 
my life's turned out. It'll be all right. Who cares about anything else? It'll be, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if uh, Suzanne Collins writes another book. Whether she she writes as, writes something up as a follow-up to this. Yeah. Or uh, what I would like to see is mm-hmm. a book focused on Hamish. Hamish's games. I, I want something like super in-depth about the the second quarter quell. So apparently he became president during the 20th games right around there. So he was still pretty like young. Like not even 30. Yep. Jeez. So. So, I mean, any well, theories or anything at the end of this book? No, there's just more things that I want. I want more <laughs> companion books to the trilogy like this one. And I'm super excited for the movie for this that comes out in November. Mm-hmm. I do have one question. Who is Katniss's grandma? Why? Well, think about it. Is it Lucy Gray? Or is it Maud Ivory? Because her dad is obviously very musically talented and knows the songs that have been banned in the district, being the, the Hanging Man or the Hanging, hanging tree. tree. And the Meadow Song. Right. Those were banned in the district? Oh. Mm-hmm. So that points us back to her her father being stop doing that, that. I can't help it. I'm trying to make a point. You're the so table. excited. Ah. Um, <laughs> her father having some kind of link to the Covey. Maybe. But there were three one three women. Because there was um. Yeah, but the, the one was. Um, oh, she was gay. She was gay. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Well. She might have been gay. She could have been bi. I saw this great theory after I finished this book that I knew wouldn't line up because of the way that this book played out that Katniss is Snow's granddaughter. No way. And I was like, man, that would be that would be such like this great little no, just tie in. I don't like that. I think that's too that's too Star Wars esque for me. <laughs> Is it though? I mean, think about it because I mean, you know, I mean, think about and Ray. Lucy, and... Him and Lucy Gray hooked up, but see, that was never stated either. It wasn't, and that's uh, that's kind of where this. There's thing just falls a lot apart. of making out. So say him and Lucy Gray hook up because Suzanne Collins doesn't, you know, write about. She doesn't write smut, <laughs> right? And instead of him killing her, she knows she's pregnant and just leaves then how would the kid have gotten back she takes it and drops it off in with the cubby <laughs> in the middle of the night she drops it off you literally just said it wouldn't that. work and you're trying to make it work i want, yeah. it, I want it to work i don't, don't think that would work anyway because i think that would have been more of a topic in katniss's life i feel like that's her, too obvious her grandparent or parent was an abandoned child would it have i mean I we're talking so. about a district where they don't have food i think so would no, you I think really it worry whether your grandparents were i think it would have specifically been a topic in her life from I her feel, father i feel like that's that's an that's obvious a and i that would be an obvious 
solution. Well, and I hate it. <laughs> I also just hate it because of how Star Warsy it is. This is set in a future dystopian. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't like the time. I, I'm I'm good with them being separate, totally separate entities. The- and the but having the little tie-ins from him being in twelve and the songs and Lucy and. And the mocking Jay. I like those tie-ins. I would have hated it if they ended up being related to, because it would have been like, oh, of course. You know what I mean? It would have been, been too much. Yeah. Agree to disagree. No. Agree to disagree. We don't agree on this one. I said agree to disagree. <laughs> I don't agree to disagree with you. <laughs> Whatever. But I, I do think that Maud Ivory is Katniss's grandparent. Interesting. Interesting concept. I think it's a good theory. Suzanne Collins, let us know. Please. You ever Better just read yet. a series and you're just like, I just need to know because I have so many questions. Just I want to know more answers. Let us into your brain. Yeah. Just tell me what, are you, what you're thinking. We'd love to hear more. Just come sit on our podcast. There we go. Tell us what you got in the works. We got a seat just for you. That's it. We Open. need or want or... So More Hunger Games. <laughs> we need. We need. This is a very good series. So let's rate this book. Sky. I really like this book, guys. I didn't like the fact that I had to audiobook it. And I I almost feel like that might... Don't let the, the uh, voice uh, actors... Ps- you know, skew your opinion of the content of the book. Because that's what we're talking about. I'm going to give it a four. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. A lot more than I thought I was going to. And I think maybe because I didn't enjoy the first three books so much because of the movies that I enjoyed this one a lot more because of that. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with a 4.3. It was really fun and refreshing to read a book that is brand new to me, but in a setting that I'm familiar with, it was nostalgic but new, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was written really, really well. Even if there were a couple parts that I thought were rushed or a little wonky, I thought it was written fantastically. I am going to go a 4.4. I was engaged the entire time. Like, the entire time. I don't even think that there was many moments where I was like, okay, let's just move this along. Like, it was so well written. And even the parts at the beginning that I thought were very difficult for me personally to read, I appreciated it. Because I feel like those are still things that need to be talked about so yeah i very much very much enjoyed the story it was it was really really good so i'm gonna go 4.4 i think that's the highest rating i've ever given honestly it is so awesome well thanks for reading the hunger games series with me guys it was it it's was good a good time yeah it was, i've enjoyed this yeah that's good good pick so our next our next book is Verity by Colleen Hoover. Taking your coho virginities. It's our first coho, Sky. 
Woo. 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 I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys to... I'm excited to get your take on it. So this is a book that Amanda has already read, mm-hmm. but Skylar and I have not read. So this will be fun. I'm excited. It's such a quick read, Sky. I promise it won't take you long. Yeah. But yeah, that's what we'll be talking about. I'm excited to next episode. take him off a series back into a single book before we jump back into a series. So Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to A Court of Books and Booze. Um, You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast. And we are also on YouTube. Find us on all your favorite social media sites. No, actually, just find us on Facebook and Instagram. That's where we're at. We know those are your favorites anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Two of my favorites. (laughs) What other fun podcasts can you find in the Golden Mojo Network entertainment network of podcasts skylar you sit this one out you've had a rough day oh right okay mondays are the call guys tuesdays is what is it cold news podcast i hope you know that you're on it wednesdays is two stop united states of paranormal thursdays indiana chiefs fans and fridays is ours a Court of Books and Booze, which you know that because you've been listening this whole time, <laughs> and The Murder Nerds. And you can find them on Facebook. I think they're all on Instagram. I know some of them are on TikTok. All of their socials will be in our show notes. Check them out. All right, all right guys. Grab a book, grab a beer. <laughs> Maybe in the basement. Except next week, milk and cookies. Milk and cookies. <laughs> Read with you later. Later.